Everybody stand. Hallelujah. We're going to have a great time tonight. The Lord laid a good sermon on my heart, a good message, and I believe something great's going to happen. But uh, I want us to look to Matthew, the 6th chapter, verse number 10. And while we're turning there, Matthew 6, verse 10, I want to talk about getting heaven's attention. And uh, when I talk about getting heaven's attention, maybe I could say how to provoke God or how to provoke heaven on our behalf. And I want to ask you, have you ever felt like when you prayed, nothing was happening or it felt like your prayer was just hitting the ceiling and nothing's happened? That's what I'm talking about. Your prayers are not being heard. Well, we know that God never slumbers or sleeps. So he's listening, but sometimes we just need to do something. But how many realize that today when God steps in, he turns things around? And I believe today God is stepping in on your behalf and he's going to turn some things around. Uh, This is the day that your stagnation ends in Jesus' name. See, stagnation means that it brings uh, around some stink and it brings around uh, some ugliness. And some of us have some stagnation in our life and and it just seems like it's all bottled up. But today the stagnation ends in Jesus' name. Do we believe that here? All right, let's read uh, Matthew 6.10. Let's read it together. Everybody, right off the screen, let's read it real big. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. One more time. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In earth as it is in heaven. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the anointing. We ask for a little heaven on earth this week. We're asking for heaven to open up like it did when you were baptized in water, Jesus. Let the heavens open. And I pray today that there will be uh, uh, the attention of heaven to every individual. Lord, the distractions going on in minds right now. We bring every thought into captivity. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Be loosed in the name of Jesus. And we declare, Lord, that this is the place of liberty. We've ever needed revival. We need it today. Lord, have mercy on us that I may minister and speak with the ability that you give. We're depending on you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, tell somebody near you, I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable and you can be seated. I see great things coming your way. It's inevitable. How many believe there's some great things coming your way? Amen. Hallelujah. The day of stagnation ends today in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I believe today I want to talk to you a little bit about getting heaven's attention. But when Jesus was teaching the disciples and you and I how to pray... I believe he was talking a little bit about getting heaven's attention. We must keep in mind if we're praying for God's will to be done, we need to be ready to take action and whatever's necessary, uh, whatever the Holy Spirit leads us to do, that's what we need to do. See, we are led by the Spirit. We are the children of God. And uh, how does God accomplish his will on this earth? He does it largely through people willing to obey him. 
So how are we going to bring heaven to earth? We need to be obedient to God today. We need uh, uh, heaven's attention. But we read about a man in the book of Mark, the 10th chapter, that got heaven's attention. We read about a man called Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus was... Uh, there uh, in the street, Jesus is coming down the road. There's a big crowd there that day. And, and uh, yet blind Bartimaeus begins to cry out, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Now something happened when he cried out. That, uh, that large crowd that was there as he cried out, there were people that began saying things. They began telling blind Bartimaeus, you need to be quiet. They said, you need to shut up. They would tell him, uh, uh, this is not the proper protocol, trying to keep him from his breakthrough. How many know that when you need a breakthrough, when you need heaven's attention, there will always be some yapping going on. Somebody's going to talk, and I'm going to say today that uh, this man did not listen to what everybody else was saying, but he was going to get heaven's attention. He cried out the more, Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus called him and said, What can I do for you? He said, That I might receive my sight. He said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Now, I believe... Today, your faith is going to bring heaven's attention to your situation. Your faith and faith is coming because the Word of God is being preached, but you're going to have to uh, reach through and you're going to have to press in and you're going to have to quit worrying about what everybody else is saying, what the television is saying, what the people are saying, whatever's trying to stop you from your breakthrough and realize today that you can get heaven's attention in your situation today. There's another man that got heaven's attention in Matthew the 8th chapter. Let's read verses 1 through 3. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand, touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Now, here is a man that is called a leper. He wasn't called Doug the leper, Hans the leper, Tommy the leper. It was the leper, all right? Now, he doesn't, I'm sure he had a name. But I'm going to say something about this man. This man came and worshipped Jesus. And when he worshipped Jesus, I'm going to tell you something changed. He began to see that heaven's attention was directed toward him and uh, this man was cleansed of his leprosy. Now, when I think about this man that is just called leper, it reminds me that anyone can get heaven's attention. And when I hear that he's just called leper, I realize that there were a lot of lepers in that day. So I'm going to say most will not get heaven's attention, but I will say a few will get heaven's attention. But I I know that what I am preaching today will change somebody's life uh, uh, because I believe somebody's going to be the anyone that can. See, he came and worshiped the Lord. Number one, if you want to get heaven's attention, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. 
He came and worshipped him. It got heaven's attention on his behalf. This guy is a nameless leper who worshipped him. But look what happened when he worshipped. There was an open heaven. There was a miracle that took place. Now, you and I, uh, we are known by God. He knows us by name. We are a child of God. We are an uh, heir of God, a joint heir with Christ Jesus. We are a chosen generation. We are are a royal priesthood. So what happens today if you and I will worship him? He even knows the number of hairs or the number of hairs not on our head. He knows you by name. You're not just some nameless person here today. You were made in the image of God. Maybe you walked in here today and you feel like nobody cares about you. God doesn't even know you exist. I'm here to tell you, you were made in the image of God. You were made to, uh, to serve God. You were made to give your life for Him. You were made, uh, your eyes were made to read the Word of God. Your hands were made to help your neighbor. Your feet were made to walk in His footsteps. Are you hearing me? There was something he made you for. He knows you by name. So if this nameless guy can get a blessing, surely you can get one today. Before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, when 120 spoke with other tongues, the Bible says in Luke 24 and verse 53, they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. They were continually. Continually mean it was not just every now and then when it was convenient. Continually means uh, that it wasn't just when it was uh, acceptable. See, some of you think, well, preacher, if I come to church every night this week, uh, I come back to church on Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it's going to kill me. How many know you can't kill what's already dead? I don't know where that came from. That was mean, Dougie. But continually, as we press in, and as we bless the Lord and praise Him, something begins happening. We begin to get heaven's attention. The Bible said in Psalm 92.1, it is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. I'm going to tell you, sometimes people say, I don't like those people. They praise too much. They, they give uh, too many shouts. They clap their hands. But the Bible said it's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord and sing praises unto thy name, O Most High. We're to enter His gates, Psalm 104. It says, with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise, be thankful unto him and bless his name. Psalm 1611, thou wilt show me the path of life, and in thy presence is fullness of joy. Why do we spend so much time trying to move into the presence of God? Because I'm going to tell you, there's enough heartache in the world. There's enough pain around us. We've had enough of that stuff. But when we get in his presence, there's a satisfaction, a fullness of joy. I don't know about you, but I've had enough heartache. I've had enough pain. But when I begin to praise God and His presence comes, it's a little taste of heaven on this earth. I don't know about you, but I like a little heaven on earth. It's better than hell on earth. 
Folks, too many of us are living our life without the presence of God and wonder why we're walking around hell on earth. Everything is just a struggle. Everything is messed up. Everything is about, uh, uh, you know, a pressure. But I'm going to tell you, when you get in the fullness of the Lord, when you get in the presence of the Lord, there is a fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength today. If you don't have joy, then you are a weak Christian. So get in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Psalm 22, 3, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Listen, he said he'll live where people praise. I don't know, but I think I need him to live with me uh, when I leave the building. I want to praise him in the car. So when I praise him in the car, he's living with me. When I'm in my house, I'm going to give him the highest praise because I need him in my house. I'm going to tell you, I don't need everything else in my house. I don't need turmoil. I don't need fighting. I don't need trouble, but I need the presence of God. I need the anointing of God. I need him to live with me. And I believe uh, one of the reasons the devil doesn't like your praise because you'll never be the same when you get in his presence. See, we have many war uh, weapons of warfare. We have all these things to fight, but praise, I believe, is one of the most effective weapons of them all. I saw somebody yesterday on uh, Instagram put praise as the big gun. I don't know what kind of gun you have. I don't know if you even like guns, but I'm going to tell you, there's a gun they call the judge. It's a big gun. They said, when you shoot it, you better watch it. Hold on pretty tight. What's the gun that Clint Eastwood used in all his movies? 44 Magnum. I've shot one of those. I'll tell you what. You better hold on. It's a big gun. But I'm going to tell you, those are nothing compared to praise, the big gun. Are you hearing me? It's a weapon of our warfare. When you praise, listen, you're asking God to do something for you. When you praise, you're asking God to fight the battle for you. See, I'm not going to tell you and stand up here that you won't have battles. I'm going to tell you that you'll have battles, but I will tell you today that God will fight the battle for you. I, you remember uh, King Jehoshaphat. He, uh, there was war that uh, had been declared against him. And he was sitting around saying, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't really know how we're going to make it. I don't know how we're going to do it. But the Lord gave him a word. He got a word from God. And the word from God is the battle is not yours, but it is God's. The battle is not your battle. I got a word for you today that's going through something. The battle is not yours, but it's God's today. Turn it over to him. Turn it over to him and everything will be all right. He got a word from God. God and he realized he was up against it and the only way that he could win the battle was by praise so they put the singers out there and the musicians out there and they began to sing and they began to play and it caused something to happen the enemy destroyed uh, one another I don't know but I think if you begin to praise the enemies that are in your life would destroy each other that if you begin to praise that the devil would be so so confused that they would uh, all the demons and hell will begin fighting against each other because they don't like each other. All of them want to be number one in hell. Are you understanding me? But I'm here to tell you something. There's something about when you praise and all they had to do when the enemy destroyed each other was for three days, they collected all the stuff. They got all the reward. It took three days to gather it all up. I don't know about you, but when I think about three days, I think about Jesus. He's dead 
dead one day. He's dead two days, but three days. On the third day, he resurrected for you and I. I don't have a dead Jesus, but I have a living Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe uh, that three days he's resurrected and we're still collecting the stuff. We are redeemed because of what he did. We are saved because of what he did. We are healed because of what he did. We have provision because what he did. We have peace. We have joy in the middle of it all because of what Jesus did. Thank God he got up on the third day. Psalm 67, verse 5 and 6, Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Didn't say, uh, let the people that have that kind of, you know, that's their personality. Folks, I don't know, you know, some of you have a personality at a ball game that's different than church. Then some of you say, well, I don't, I, don't even, I don't even holler at ball games. I don't shout at ball games. Okay, if your grandkid gets up and knocks the ball this far off of that tee, you're like, the price is right, and they called you down. So there's something that gets you excited. Ed McMahon showed up at your door if he was still alive. That'd be kind of scary. Ed McMahon shows up at your door today. It's a problem. We'll cast that demon out in a while. That's a familiar spirit. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. You get excited about something, but I'm reserved in church. He said, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth. Then. Then is there for a reason. He said, you praise... Let all the people praise, then shall the earth yield her increase. If I were a farmer, I'd be a praiser. Okay. I got two farmers in the church. But if you want increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. Listen, what kind of increase do you want? You want a weak Increase? Hallelujah. But if you want a bountiful increase, you're going to have to give him some praise. You're going to have to put everything into it. See, he made me. I am the temple of God. I believe he made me to praise. He has put me to show forth the praises of him that called me out of darkness into his glorious light. I don't know if you like uh, 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 sparingly... uh, uh, Increase or do you like bountiful increase? I like bountiful, so why don't you lift up your hands and give them a shout of praise right now? Praise them today the way you want to receive. Hallelujah. Maybe you're sitting around saying, Well, preacher, I don't really have that much to be thankful for. I don't have that much. Well, if that's really true, let me just say it like this. When you thank God for the little, he will multiply it and make it more than enough. So even if you think, well, I don't have very much. Remember what Jesus did in uh, John chapter 6, not Matthew, but John 6 verse 11. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. All right. He takes the five loaves and the two fishes. 
And he gives thanks. And when he does, how many know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Verse 13. Therefore they gathered them together, filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Do you think that he gave thanks and he really meant something about it? When he multiplied the five loaves and the two fishes, there was enough left over. Uh, that, that little boy, he went hauling stuff home. He had to take a, a semi-truck to get the stuff home that was leftover. I'm here to tell you something. There's something about praise that when we praise, it will bring an increase in your life and it will get heaven's attention. Number two, how do you get heaven's attention? Win the lost. Somebody said, oh preacher, please don't go there. I can't do that. See, when some people try to witness and talk about Jesus, they start feeling prickly. You know what prickly is? You feel uncomfortable. But you realize there are people, while we don't like to talk about it, you know, we, we don't want to talk about the goodness of God. We don't want to talk a, about how Jesus died on the cross for us. There are people that are in crisis in this world. And in crisis time, I'm going to tell you, it's the best time to tell people about Jesus. This gospel right here works the best in crisis time. There are people that are bound by heroin. There are people that are bound by alcohol. There are people that are bound by, by all kinds of vices in life. They're torn in their mind. This is the time that the gospel works. It is incorruptible seed. You plant it and water it. It will bring a harvest. Luke 15, 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. More than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. In Luke 15 you got three stories going. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. But it says that there is, shall be joy in heaven, rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents. I don't know what picture of heaven you get. You know, some of you get a picture of heaven with like fat angels with bows and arrows. That's the, I don't even know where that comes from. Little fat angels. Little donut-eating angels. All right? But heaven's not going to be like that. Let me tell you what. Let me, get, let me give you what I really think heaven's going to be like. I was preaching in Argentina 13 years ago. I was in Argentina, and uh, I had gone there to do a crusade. One of my best friends in the world, he was a pastor. He died at 45. 45 years old, he had a kidney stone. Never had one before, went to the hospital. They overdosed him on morphine, killed him. All right? So, I'm doing a crusade in his memory. Instead of giving flowers and donating to whatever, we, they donated to do a crusade, and we went to Argentina. And they had a big screen, or they had a big billboard, really, behind me. It wasn't a, a screen, but it was a, a poster, but it was huge. And it talked about the crusade on it, but on the screen, on the poster, was a big picture of my friend's head. All right? So when I went up to preach, it kind of haunted me a little bit. All right? It's like my friend's looking at me. All right? I, I know nobody ever feels, but it's my good friend. It just felt weird. Okay? But I, I went ahead and preached because, you know, sometimes I look at you and it feels weird.
man, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. My mother raised me better than this. She's probably watching. I love you, mother. All right. So anyway, I got through preaching, gave an invitation. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people gave their heart to Jesus. All right? Maybe thousands, okay? We had a big meeting. And I'm just standing there. I feel my friend looking at me on the picture. But I begin to think about heaven. He's in heaven. He's not on that picture, right? I begin thinking about heaven. And the Bible says there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. I'm thinking he, I was there when my son's friend caught a touchdown in the state championship football game. And I saw him rejoice. And I'm thinking it's nothing like heaven when hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people are getting saved. I'm going to tell you something. I believe when we win the loss, it provokes heaven. Likewise, verse uh, 10 says, I say to you, there's joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner that repents. Joy in the presence of angels. Joy in the angels' presence. God and the angels notice and openly rejoice when even one person admits their helpless condition, accepts Christ's forgiveness and repent. At the close of the message, somebody's going to get a chance to come to this altar. And uh, I believe they'll be rejoicing in heaven because of what happens. It gets heaven's attention. Look at Daniel 12, verse 2 and 3. I, I had read verse 3 many, many times, and I have read 2, but I didn't notice it till this week. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament in it, and they, they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now, that second verse there, the 12 verse 2, some are going to wake that sleep to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. There's coming a day where there's going to be a separation made. And I'm going to tell you, you want to be on the side uh, that they'll, that some to everlasting life. You don't want to be on the side some to shame and everlasting contempt. What am I saying? Many people want to go to heaven but are not prepared to satisfy the conditions to get there. Everybody wants to go to heaven. We'll have people live like the devil, and when they die, we put up R.I.P., rest in peace. I'm going to tell you something. You're not resting in peace if you go to hell. I want everybody to go to heaven. That's why I'm preaching this way. But you've got to meet the conditions to get to heaven. How can you take the hell-bound bus and end up in heaven? It is impossible. You can't get on the hound that is going to hell and make it to heaven. A hound, for those of you who don't know, that's a greyhound. I guess nobody's ever ridden one here. But we got to get people off the hell-bound bus and get them on the heaven-bound train. How many know what I'm talking about? 
somebody was asking me the other day, and I think because I had said something, you know, they were, are you one of those faith preachers? What, you know, they're asking me what camp I'm in. Are you a, a grace preacher? Are you a prosperity preacher? Are you a healing preacher? And I'm thinking, well, I, I like healing better than sickness preacher, and I like uh, prospering better than poor preacher, and, uh, and uh, I like faith better than doubt preacher, but I, I, all that's going on in my head. I finally answered him this way. I said, well, I'm, wanna, I'm in the camp of I don't want to go to hell camp. <laughs> Are you hearing me? I don't want to go to hell, and I said, and I don't want anybody else to go to hell either, so I'm in that camp. I don't know about you, but I believe we ought to be in the camp that we don't want to go to hell, and we don't want anybody else to go to hell, so we win some people to Jesus. So whatever you believe today You may not agree with me on everything But whatever you believe We ought to believe Keeping people out of hell Is our number one priority How do you get heaven's attention? Number three A heavenly lifestyle A heavenly lifestyle Not, you know, we say What kind of, you know, the Life of the rich and the famous Remember that guy that had the weird voice And he'd, he'd show you people's houses he had a nice voice, but it was not American. And it wasn't country. Somebody getting this? What was that guy's name? Anybody remember that guy? What? Robin Leach. Okay. Remember the lifestyles of the rich and famous. I can't, you know, no matter what I sound like, I still sound like an Okie. So. And all my accents are the same. It doesn't matter if I'm doing like a Spanish accent or a, a Pakistani accent or an English. They all sound exactly the same. So I probably shouldn't do them. Job 1.8. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil. Now, I've heard people say, well, I'm, I'm like Job. Perfect, upright, fear God, eschew evil. That's pretty good. Fear like Job. But most of the time when we say we're like Job, we say, well, I'm the Job, you know, that had boils. I'm the Job that has trouble. I'm the Job that everything went against me. Well, listen, I, I took uh, a class, and we uh, had a class on the book of Job in, in Bible college, and I'm going to tell you, I wish I'd have just learned one thing. Let's talk about Job. If you want to be like Job, God bless Job. Okay, that's good. Then, in the middle, the devil attacked Job. This is real simple. And then, number three, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord turned the captivity of Job and gave him twice as much as before. So if you're like Job, get in line. There's a double blessing coming your way. There's a blessing coming your way. There's a blessing coming your way. If you're like Job and you're going through it right now, I'm going to tell you something that God can turn the captivity. Turn the captivity means he'll put a stop to evil. What the devil has meant for bad, 
God can turn it for your good today. I'm going to tell you, today, have you refused to compromise? Have you remained true and faithful to God in the midst of the fire and adverse winds? I say to you, continue to stand firm because the Lord, He takes notes of these things, and I believe He'll turn the captivity for you. Look at Daniel. Daniel was a man that prayed, and he was told he can't pray. The government said, you got to shut it down. But he said, I'm going to pray anyway. He was thrown into the lion's den, and he could have said, well, it's over. Uh, my God forsook me. I need, I need something to happen. But here's a man that lived a heavenly lifestyle. And in there, the Lord shut the mouth of the lion. I'm going to tell you, you may not be in the lion's den today, but somebody's yapping about you. Somebody's mouth is open. God can shut their mouth as easily as he shut the lion's mouth. What about the three Hebrew children? They refused to eat the king's meat or drink of the spirit that he had. They, I'm not going to compromise. They said, we will not bow. And I'm going to tell you, they were, they were thrown uh, uh, there into the fiery furnace, and it was heated up seven times hotter, but they came out of that. To, uh, they said, if it be so, go ahead and try. But I'm going to tell you, they had faith in God. They knew that the God that they served was able, and he was willing to help them and they came out not even smelling like smoke I'm here to tell you something God is going to get you through what you're going through today the situation in your life that you think that he doesn't care about heaven's opening on your behalf right now in the name of Jesus how do you get heaven's attention demonstrate number four rugged faith demonstrate rugged faith you know what rugged faith is Rugged faith is the camo type faith. You know? The Carhartt flannel shirt, steel toe boot faith. All right, now, do you realize that a roofer doesn't wear what I'm wearing today? Why is that? Because it wouldn't last very long. You've got to have to wear something rough. I'm going to tell you something. Some of us have, you know, well, I, I, I hope my faith holds out to the end. Folks, you need to get, wake up and say, my faith works. The Word of God says I, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I'm in the house of God Sunday. I'm in there Sunday night. I'm in there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Faith is rising up in me. Come on, devil, bring on whatever you got. I'll give you a left. I'll give you another left. I'll give you a right cross. I'm going to give you a hook, another hook, an uppercut, an uppercut. I'm give you whatever you need today because I'm going to tell you, I believe my God is going to back me up and faith will move the mountain. Somebody say amen. There's a man in the Bible, paralyzed. Jesus is at a house. Now, this house is kind of interesting. Jesus is staying at a house. And people start coming to the house, uninvited. The house gets full. They can't get the paralyzed man through the door, so they tear open the roof to let the man down. This is rugged faith. 
This is Carhartt faith. This is flannel shirt, steel toe boots faith. And when he got them to Jesus, he said, thy sins be forgiven thee. He said, is it easier for me to say, son, thy sins be forgiven thee, or take up thy bed and walk, that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I'm here to tell you, he still has the power to forgive sins. He still has the power to heal sick bodies. But somebody's got to reach out in rugged faith, push by the obstacles, get through the stuff today. I don't know what's holding you back, but I'm here to tell you that on the other side is your miracle. Let me hurry up. Getting heaven's attention. Number five, through your giving. Somebody said to you, I knew you were going to go there. Well, y'all know me enough to know that I don't care if you like when I talk about giving or not. And the reason, I'm going to tell you, I went, when the Iron Curtain fell, it took me one year to raise $10,000 because I wouldn't talk to anybody about it. I didn't tell anybody, didn't ask anybody. I just started saving money, saving money. We went there to do a crusade, start a church. The church is still doing good, running about 300, started two other churches. So it's doing well. But we get there. And in that hall with about 2,000 former communist people that had no I'm going to tell you, they had nothing. Communism had taken all the life out of them. If you think communism's good, you need to think again. Okay? Listen, I'm going to tell you, there was one man in the church. One man in the church bought a truck, looked like something off of uh, Hogan's Heroes. Okay, we're talking back a while. Just an old truck. He would drive it to Poland. He would buy goods and bring it back to the Ukraine and sell it. The pastor and some of the leaders of the church said, this, we'd love to put him on the board of the church, but we think he's stealing. I said, what do you mean he's stealing? Well, he goes and buys stuff cheap and then sells it for more money over here. I said, that's called capitalism. <laughs> that's what we all want. I said, you all ought to be doing that. They didn't understand because they, they, they thought they'd been given stuff for so long that they, that's the only way they could think. But I'm going to tell you something. God didn't put you on this earth just so you get something given to you all the time. I believe you're made to do something and to be productive. All right, that's a whole other sermon, all right? But about 2,000 people in this building, when I begin to preach, tears begin to run down their face. The gospel we preach is the gospel of hope. They had hope for tomorrow to be better than the day. When I gave the invitation, people came to the front. Almost everybody in the whole building got saved, almost, without exception. And I made it hard. I didn't, I didn't give a, come down here, get an American blessing. I said, man, it's not going to be easy serving the Lord. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me, you know, all those things. I began to cry when that altar call was given because God rebuked me. He said, you could have been here a lot faster if you'd asked people to help you. And so, you know what? You don't like me talking about giving? Take your 50 cents somewhere else. Because people that love to give, it doesn't bother them. Wow. Man, did I say that? Sometimes I wish I could take something back, but it's too late. It's out there. 
See, givers always get the attention of heaven. Look at Solomon, 2 Chronicles 1, 6. And Solomon went up thither to the brazen altar before the Lord, which was at the tabernacle of the congregation, and offered a thousand burnt offerings upon it. He got God's attention. In Acts chapter 10, Cornelius was remembered by God for his praying and his giving. God visited his family and there was an outpouring of the Spirit because of his giving and his praying. Eighteen months ago, when corona first broke out, when the shutdown happened, I got corona. Like almost immediately. Passed out. Kept passing out. I woke up one time and the Lord is slapping me saying, Jesus, Jesus. I don't know if she wanted me to go or stay. I think she wanted me to stay. But I didn't know I had it, okay, until I passed out. And then I figured, I have something. Okay, it was really early on. And uh, that night, I couldn't, I couldn't walk to the restroom without help. I had to have a shower chair, an old man shower chair for 30 days. If I lifted my hand over my head, I passed out. All right, so I had some issues. The devil's a liar, Okay. And listen, if you think corona's from God, you got a you got a problem. First of all, the Bible says the devil is the author of confusion. One day they say this, the next day they say this, one day the politicians say so I'm pretty sure the devil's behind all of it. They don't know they don't know what they're talking about. All right? And and I don't know everything either, so I just thought I'd tell you that too. You know, I'm just an expert on my own stuff. So here I am. I'm laying in the bed. Lori slept in the same bed, didn't get it. All right? Until I passed out, and then she started sleeping on the floor. I think she loved me, but she still slept on the floor because she knew I needed help. And I didn't wear a mask because it's my house. I can cough wherever I want. Okay? So I don't know if that was smart or dumb, but nobody in the house got it, so evidently... That's all I can say. But I'm laying on that bed. And I can't even lift my head off the bed. I got Ted Shuttlesworth was on at midnight during that time. I'm laying on my phone with him preaching. I lift up and I send the biggest offering. I don't know if I'm going to have any money. Because I'm too sick to preach, number one. And everybody's shut down. And when I don't preach, I don't eat. This is what I do for a living. So I don't know what's coming, but it wasn't about what I need, heaven's attention. You cannot buy the gift of God. I understand that. But all I wanted was, hey, remember me in Bixby, Oklahoma. Now the next day I took hydroxychloroquine. Got prayed for by great preachers. Hans, they prayed A lot of people began praying. So is it a coincidence? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, it's funny how coincidences stop happening when you quit praying and you quit giving. Listen, let's go on down. There's a Shunammite woman in the Bible. The Shunammite woman, they call her in 2 Kings great. Now, there's not another time a woman is called great in the Bible. One woman is great, and the word great there is a connotation that she is wealthy, 
okay? Great means she's got the bucks, all right? She doesn't have any financial need, all right? But how many know giving isn't always about money, but sometimes it's about meeting a need in your life? Even though this woman was rich, she had a need. She had an old husband. Now I know what your need is. You got an old husband. (laughs) An old husband and she has no children. And the old husband can't give her children. Are you understanding this? Sometimes we read it in King James. We just think, oh yeah, he's an old guy. It didn't work. They could not have children. The man of God would come by and they would, he would stop and eat at their house. That's what us preachers are for. A good free meal. I pray today at the restaurant. Somebody, No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. But it's a, every time he'd come by, they'd have a meal. She says to her husband, hey, you know what? This guy, when he comes by, we ought to do more. Let's build a little room on the house, put a bed in it, a lamp, make it comfortable for him. We'll leave the light on. It'll be the Motel 6. But 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 16 17. He said, about this season, according to the time of life. About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace a son. Next year, she said, nay, my Lord, thou man of God, do not lie unto thine handmaid. And the woman conceived and bare a son at that season. A year later, she has a baby that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. See, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody in here, you have been going through it, but a year from now, you're going to look back and say, this is what the Lord has done for me. Somebody ought to receive that because I don't know, maybe your need isn't uh, money, but there's a need. I'm going to tell you, it was because of her seed that her need was met and then later on we could go on with the story she had a little trouble that son died but he didn't forget about God didn't forget her about that time either I'm going to tell you, God hadn't forgotten you God hasn't forgotten you God hasn't forgotten you let's finish up here stand with me right now the last one is praying praying gets heaven's attention but I, I, I'm not going to read anything you know if you don't pray you don't pray fervently, probably not much is going to happen. You don't get excited about your praying, not much is going to happen. But I'm going to tell you, if I were the devil, I would make people too lazy and too busy to pray. If I were the devil, I'd make people think prayer's boring because prayer will open heaven on your behalf. Can I get an amen in here? Thank you so much for joining us online. And I hope the message was a real blessing to you. You know, eternity is a real thing. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. According to the scriptures, you spend eternity in one of two places. First of all, heaven. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. Or number two, in hell. Uh, Jesus talked about the rich man who went to hell and was in great torment. He was begging Abraham to send someone, a messenger, to tell his family. Well, listen. You're hearing the message today, eternity is real, and you're going to spend it in one of two places. So why don't let's decide right now, me and you, that you're going to spend it in heaven. How do you do that? You accept Jesus into your heart. Open up your heart and say, Lord, come in. 
Cleanse me of all sin. I accept you as my Lord and take the throne of my life as yours. Okay? So let's pray right now. Just pray with me right where you are. Just repeat this. Father in heaven, I I remove myself from the throne of my heart. And Jesus, I invite you to sit on the throne of my heart. Forgive me of all sin. Wash me in your precious blood. And I accept your sacrifice for me. And I thank you, Lord, for cleansing me, for saving me, and for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen right where you're at? Hey, thank you for joining us. And please come back, get in, get in the Word, get in the flow of the Spirit. And uh, we're just blessed to have you with us and look forward to seeing you the next time.